0: Hi guys, welcome to Cow Corner Cricket Cast, I'm your host Pratham and today I'll be previewing the second ODI between Pakistan and England at Lords uh, in this three-part series uh, held in 2021. Immediately prior to the start of the series, it would be pretty safe to say that England went in as the underdogs. Now it's really funny saying that because actually given that England are the current world cup champion holders and that they've probably been the best team in modern conditions and limited overs formats for what at least four years now um but when your entire original side is <laughs> announced two days from the beginning of the series as being basically out of the series as england's was remember guys several of them contracted covid and the rest of the squad had to self-isolate and quarantine themselves making them unavailable to play that's a tough ask combined with the fact that they practically made a squad out of debutants and fringe players besides Stokes and Wince, and all expectations were that the more settled Pakistani side – gosh, it seems ridiculous saying that, given how volatile Pakistani cricket usually is in terms of harebrained selections and omissions – it was expected that that Pakistani side would essentially wreck this England's Lions team. But all the wrecking that happened in the first ODI was by England. Uh, their bowlers stuck to accurate lines and lengths at large and got sufficient movement on an admittedly somewhat unreliable pitch to reduce Pakistan to a total, in hindsight now we can say 100 short of par in their first innings. Uh, then their top order, Phil Salt aside, cashed in on a slightly easier batting conditions that were available to them uh, in that second innings with the pitch drying out, to maraud loose bowling from the likes of Hassan Ali and Haris Rauf to seal a win by over 28 overs. Guys, that's the biggest margin in ODI history between these two countries. Pakistan looked timid in constructing their batting innings with most of their middle-order batsmen, except maybe Shadab actively not looking to rotate the strike to ease the pressure after those uh, that top-order collapse of wickets. Um, their defense of that abject uh, total looked equally miserable, with a reeling Babur Azam appearing discombobulated and setting st- strategies on the field. Uh, we saw that, guys, with the ploy to have Hasan Ali and harris Roth to attempt to bounce out Milan and Crawley on a pitch offering inconsistent bounce from more of a fuller length, this made no sense. Um, quite frankly, it just made no sense whatsoever. Um, especially because these two batsmen are vulnerable of that fuller length. Um, so. Long story short, while Pakistan might feel their seniors in Razam and Babur uh, Azam and Asan Ali uh, scrape the bottom of the barrel in producing that performance yesterday, England will be buoyed especially by their newcomers doing so well. The stakes for both sides are set, Pakistan must wish- win this match in order to be humiliated by an England B-team, and England will look to take the series and-, and build that bench strength for their upcoming World Cup in 2023, it's not far away guys. Um, even though my bet would be on Pakistan to win this match, they're... As a Pakistani fan, I know that fortunes fluctuate wildly from game to game. I reckon that you'll get a pretty close contest between these two slides. The lords menu for the second ODI will likely provide the ideal atmosphere to ensure a cracker jacker for contest occurs between these two teams. Uh, that starts with the crowd. Ever since the pandemic hit, all us international cricket fans have been dying, dying to see a cricket match being played with full stadiums cheering or egging on players, right? Um, we'll finally see that at lords, with um, the ECB having announced a 100% capacity for this game. Uh, this could cut both ways though, guys. Um, yes. Most supporters in the stands will probably be English, and that could provide a sense of home advantage for those hosts, including those at Lord's Cricket Ground uh, member stands. Uh, But a significantly more vocal minority could be the Pakistani diaspora that'll tune in into this potential series decider. Like seriously, don't underestimate the role of a crowd in turning the tide of a match guys, uh, even in past England versus Pakistan matches, if you think of the major former Pakistani wins in England, such as the 1987 Headingley Test where Imran took a 10 for or the Champions Trophy semi-final in 2016, remember that fucker Zaman innings to smash England? Uh, it was partisan bracking from the large Pakistani contingent at the grounds that visibly appeared to improve the bo- body language of Pakistan's playing eleven every time they had their nose even slightly in front of the game. Especially if they come out in numbers, those Pakistani supporters could certainly replicate in an environment more akin to Karachi than London, and that could help intimidate England's unseasoned batsmen. Many still playing their second match for the record that are not familiar to such an atmosphere when they walk out to the crease. Like the crowds, I can see the pitch and weather conditions contributing to a compelling contest between both sides. Uh, In ODIs, the Lord surface has traditionally been one of the fairest between bat and ball. Since 2015, English curators have been trying to produce flat pancakes to assist the English limited overs batting juggernaut, another brand of playing fearless cricket. Um, Lords has bucked that trend. Uh, Stats show here that seamers have gotten the most amount of sideways movement um, in all of England. Apart from the live grass that can be sometimes present on this track, it's also in part happening because of the natural slope at the ground. Over the years, the incline present from one side of the pitch to the other has allowed Pacers to bowl deliveries that dart back from the seam sharply into the right-handers, as Glenn McGrath famously exploited in the opening test of the 2005 Ashes. The weather looks like it'll give exponents of conventional swing on both sides something to work with, too. Grey skies are anticipated, which scattered showers likely to last till halfway through the match with temperatures in the late teens Celsius-wise. Um, The excellent drainage system at Lords will mean that despite the rain, we are likely to see a relatively fast outfield where shot makers will get value for their strokes. The forecast will also put pressure on run-getters from both sides to score quickly and take advantage of that fast outfield, quick to set or chase targets in their respective innings. Ensuring a game where run and strike rates for bowlers and batsmen alike will be exciting from a viewer's perspective. Despite the drastic result, I don't anticipate much in terms of personnel changes for Pakistan's team. Uh, the captain Babar Azam has stressed in the during his press conferences that he doesn't want his team to be afraid. Gabranani, right? Um, replacements of several players in this lineup would psychologically convey the opposite. And with the shock result happening in the first match of this series, there will be a tendency from Pakistan to brush this aside as having an off date. Uh, in my mind, rightfully so. In fact, um, if anything, I could see quick the quick bowler Harris Roff being swapped out with the younger Muhammad Asnan. Uh, while Roff does bowl good outswing to the right-handers at a sharp click, I mean he clocked one hundred and forty-five kilometers per hour in the first match frequently. Folks, he seems to have what I can only describe as a tape ball mentality. As with a lot of bowlers brought up playing tape ball cricket, Roff seems to lack the ability to consistently set up batsmen. Um, that's why he's in my mind, vulnerable against patient openers or setting up top-order batsmen in general. Um, his short run-up and inefficient action doesn't help him in this regard either, making him prone to spraying it around even if he goes in with a plan. Right, um, With him not starting to get the new ball with Hassan Ali and Shaheen Shah Afridi around where he could use that outswing to good effect the most, uh, Pakistan would be tempted to go with Muhammad Hasan. The 6-foot-2 youngster has the potential of rolling over 93 miles per hour, and he has improved the saucer seam position that he had, guys, that prevented him from getting the ball to deviate off the wicket or get the outswinger going that his action wouldn't actually allow. Him. For a while, he has been groomed as a future third seamer for all formats, and I see the Pakistani think tank as willing to give him a go in conditions where an enforcer of his pace could be deployed. They say you should never change a winning team. England will be definitely thinking along those lines as well. Having said that, with the back-to-back nature of matches scheduled in the series, uh, there's another match being played two days later, right, guys? Uh, it's a lot of strain, right? So England might want to rest a seamer or two here to refresh them for the series decider. If each team goes into the final match at Edgbaston one-all, uh, the bloke I could see getting rotated most likely would be Craig Overton. Um, his supporters claim that he'd gained a yard or two of pace while playing in the county championship from when he debuted in, for England a couple of years back in the Ashes Down Under. In that 2017-2018 Ashes, he had an average pace of around 80 miles per hour. In the first ODI, he averaged around 81.1 miles an hour. He's clearly not gotten significantly quicker, and even though he did pick up two wickets in that match, he got them a, quite frankly poor aerial shots from not very threatening short balls. With a tall quickie like Karse already in the squad, who's bowling 10 miles faster, Overton could be very well redundant to the English cause. If he goes, I could see England replacing him with another beanpole quickie in Tom Helm, who's got a lovely repeatable action, and is consistently around the 85 miles per hour mark. While the pitch will help Seamus, um, I don't see the leg spin of Mark, Matt Parkinson being pensioned off. England, Pakistan's lower order, I should say, in the last match tried to take him on, with them him nabbing cheap wickets as a result. Uh, the longer boundaries at Lords will also give him more protection than Cardiff. Um, still, if England choose to go in without him for an all pace attack, I'll sense that they'll go for the recalled six foot six inch Jake Ball. Whose height can be seen as an advantage to extract extra bounce. Overall, I'd predict the following players for each side to be playing in this match. With each lineup discussed, let's pick a Fantasy Dream 11 cricket team out of the, both of them for this match. Um, in terms of the openers, I'd go with Imam Al Haq and David Milan. Phil Salt's tendency to hack at a lot of deliveries and drive without reaching fully to the pitch of the ball, I see him dooming him in a seamless match which this Lord's Wicket promises to be. Fakhar Zaman's also got massive technical deficiencies and in inhospitable moving conditions with him getting out often squared up to out outswinging deliveries at that 6th or 7th stump. Uh, while Imam and Milan aren't really known for their own reticence at the crease when the ball is swinging or seeming. There's a reason why, after all, both average under 30 in Test Match Cricket folks. Um, They both have more patience at leaving and defending in the early stages of their innings than their opening partners in and Phil. Um, They also have personal points to prove. Each would like to make a comeback into the test squads after being dropped for failures in testing conditions. Runs scored here when the ball is predicted to be jagging around more than a usual ODI would allow them to stake stronger claims back into that five-day format. The middle order is where things get a little bit more interesting. Babar Azam's got an average of over fifty on this ground and is the format's number one batsman. Zach Crawley smashed a better than a runner ball 50 in the last match, and his technical efficiency with the lack of tapping his front foot to become more nimble on the foot front foot as a signal seems to have been resolved with that innings. I'll go with the safe choice of Barber here, simply because I don't think he's gonna—he's going through a slumber form. He just got a Jaffa in the last match that he really couldn't do much about, and I see him wanting to try to lead by example with bat to turn things around in this series. James Wince at four gets my vote. He didn't get an opportunity to bat. In the last match but I reckon he's the sort of batsman that despite normally being an opener has the power game to hit straight sixes to be comfortable batting at the number four spot in a rain abridged match where the lesser overs to bat. Uh, Rizwan just, just seems uncomfortable at batting at four quite frankly and not opening and I don't see that changing for this match. My picks to bat at five six and seven will be Saw Shaquille, John Simpson and Lewis Gregory respectively. In the case of Shaquille, I admit that I'm a sucker for his finesse and timing, but I do think he'll be also critical for Pakistan's chances in this match with his excellent rotation of the strike, which is an abnormality for many modern-day Pakistani batsmen. He'll be very handy in knocking out Parkinson out of the attack by constantly rotating the strike against him. Uh, Simpson's got knowledge of home conditions here. Uh, This is his home ground, Lords, to score gritty runs in the case of a top order collapse. And his keeping, from what I've seen in the county championship, is pretty solid. Um, Gregory's gentle, medium pace and capability to swing the ball both ways seems far more suited to the overcast conditions than his counterpart Shadab Khan's flattish legs breaks and googly. Now, coming to the bowlers, I'll select an attack of Fahima Shirvet 8. Brydon Karse at 9 and Shah Afridi at 10. I don't see Fahim's floatier fuller swinging deliveries being negotiated as easily as they were in Cardiff. Uh, his strong back foot game against the Pacers could help punish the odd short stuff England's Pacers may dish out as well. Uh, likewise, Cars's inclination of over pitch occasionally could be to his advantage here with a fuller length preferable on this Lord surface to give the ball time to swing and get the edge. Shaheen at 10 might be a tougher sell for all of you given that his opposing number 10, Sake Mahmood, was the man of the match in the first one day, which is why I've included both of them in my team. Mahmood's a worse batsman than Shaheen in my book, with him not being able to quite use the long handle to play lofted shots as well as the Pakistani left hammer with long hands does, so he's my number 11 in the team. I know it's a bit of a cop-out, but both were easily the most impressive shows was on show in the last match. Uh, They prized out top-order bats as strike bowlers and have the upright seam position and pace to run through the middle order and tail as well. With all that said, I'll head out. Join me tomorrow as I give my thoughts on the match that unfolds. And yeah, guys, take care and uh, see you. Bye, guys.